This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. Okay, well, how the tides have suddenly turned quite literally, because it's tides and water and things like this. Well, hello and welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and I. I am, as always, your humble GM, host, and player, Trevor DeVal. Thanks so much for tuning in today to see the continuing adventures of Edbert here in Season 3. And if you do like what you see here to, uh, today, please do hit like and subscribe. It really helps the show. Now, last time, when last we left Edbert, he had gone on to the drunken ghoul with the navigator, had to fight a duel to prove his worth, which he won, although he was hurt. But he proved himself to the captain, whose name was Errol Nicola, who turned out to be some northern, northern accent sort of guy like that. Then he went into the captain's quarters to talk to the captain about his uh, predicament, and we discovered that Edbert had gone into the city of Chiton by himself to try and secure some sort of way out of his Sherilyn predicament. But the Order of the Purifying Flame had tracked him down and uh, tried to capture him, so he had to flee, and he flew, flew? <laughs> he fled uh, all the way south to the city of Hundatora. There he took a ship to the south, but the method in which he took that ship was rather suspect. He was Shanghai. In other words, he was he was knocked out and thrown into the brig, basically, and pressed into service, although that is his last memory, so we don't know anything about who took, who took him, the nature of the service, the ship, when exactly this was, we, we don't know any of that. We just know that Edward's last memory is he was attacked probably in some alley in Hundatora, and uh, that's it. He woke up on that beach. And then right after that happened, we rolled a random event, which came up that there was a ship from the League of Pirates, who I'm now calling the League of Free Lords, because I think that's a cooler name, that had found uh, the drunken ghoul and apparently had attacked them. So cannon fire rang out, there was an explosion from the deck, and... Uh, Edbert and the captain ran out to deck to, to see what's happening, and sure enough, there was a league of uh, a free lord ship over here, having just fired its cannons. <coughs> that's that's a little plume of smoke there. Yeah, you can see that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, which leads us into a ship combat. Now, before we do anything else. Couple little housekeeping things. One, Edward, as I said, is at zero health. There's nothing he can do about that right now, but he is at zero, so he has to be very careful because he takes any injury, he's gonna suffer penalties. So this is technically a new scene, but I'm not gonna roll in the chaos factor to see if there's a random event because this whole thing was generated by a random event. But because of the nature of this whole thing, I'm going to assume at the end of the last scene, the guest factor did rise to five. So the new scene is attacked by a pirate ship of the League of Free Lords. Here's the thing, the captain, Ero Nicola seemed to recognize that the ship uh, was apparently after them because he had determined that, or we had determined rather, that uh, Ero Nicola was in possession of a treasure map that a lot of people wanted. Presumably that's what this pirate ship is doing, is going after the drunken ghoul. So if Ero Nicola knows who the ship is, if he sees their colors and, and recognizes the pennant or whatever, what's the name of the ship? 
Aha, uh-huh. let's go to this supplement here, GM's uh, Wilderness Miscellany, because in the back are some lovely pirate sort of things. Let's do subject and descriptor and just see if we can come up with an interesting name. The Grey Mariner, that's kind of cool. And who is the captain of this ship? Roll a d20 and we get a 16. Shoris Greta. I have another question. <laughs> which could serve to tie some things together if the answer is yes. So here's the thing. I'm just going to ask this question internally right now, and if I get a yes, uh, you'll see what it means. And if I get a no, I'll just tell you what it was. Just because I think this could be a really cool way to tie things together, I'm going to say that the the answer here is somewhat likely. So it's a 65% chance of a yes. Zero nine. That is an extreme yes. Woohoo! Okay, cool. Edbert and Captain... Nicola rush out on the decks, surveying the damage. Parts of the gunnels have been blown in. There's, as I said last time, there's sailors, you know, flying, screaming, blood everywhere with like big shafts and shards of of decking wood and gunnel wood kind of like impaled to a lot of them. It's a scene of chaos. And over here on the other ship, on the Grey Mariner, they can even hear from this distance, they can hear that the captain over there and the, the bosun and the first mate and everybody, they're all issuing commands to reload and fire again. So this is really bad, but here's the thing. I'm going to give Edward as he rushes to the gunnel and looks out in the ship, and if he doesn't know what the ship is, probably. Oh, there's a question. I think this is really unlikely, but I'm gonna ask, is the Grey Mariner the ship that took Edbert south? Is that the one he got shi- shanghaied on? I'm gonna call it very unlikely. So there's 25%. Oh my God, and it's an extreme yes. Okay, this throws us for a loop. Are they looking for Edbert as well as this? We assumed they were looking for this treasure map, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe this ship is actually going after Edbert, and that ties in with the result of the extreme yes that I rolled, which I'm about to tell you what that means. Okay, okay. These guys are not going after the treasure map at all. They are going after Edbert, and here's why. As... Edbert looks out over to the deck of that ship. He can just basically see something that immediately disturbs him. He sees a figure on the deck of that ship. The captain is beside him with his spyglass. Edbert says, give me that thing for a minute. And he grabs the spyglass away from Captain Nicola and he puts it up to his eye and he looks out and he sees there on the deck of the Grey Mariner is a member of the Purifying Flame. That is right. They had chased Edbert out of the north and somehow he got shanghaied on this ship. And I think what happened is that the, the, the order of the purifying flame tracked down this ship, commandeered its captain or its crew, whatever the case is, we're not sure what the details are, but they are in hot pursuit of Edbert right now. And who is, who is this member of the order of the purifying flame on board that deck? I have no idea. Here's my conception of them. I imagine that the order of the purifying flame is a group a small group, maybe five or six, maybe even less, maybe like some sort of you know female wizard. I think maybe you've got some, some great big raging barbarian. I think you've got some really like really hardcore dwarf. Uh, I think you've got a, a bunch of different folks. So is it a male or a female? I think I have a strong, strong suspicion that this is going to be a female. Let's find out. Uh, yes, it is. In fact, it is a female. So it's one of the female members of the order. So let's look at Une. We've got... 66. Fanatic. That makes sense. I think they're all a bit fanatic, aren't they? Fanatic Hitman. So an assassin. What is her name? This is the first time we've encountered the Order, even though we've been talking about them and sort of trying to avoid their presence for 
well, since season one. Let's go to the Book of Random Tables here, the first one by Matt Davids. Boop, boop, boop. And we're gonna roll on 41. Veil. That's kind of a neat name for an assassin, actually. Veil. Oh boy, this is bad for Edbert. He looks over and he definitely sees Veil standing on the deck of that ship. And I think she looks out across the waves through the, the fastly clearing gun smoke, cannon smoke, and sees Edbert as well. And you know, we, he can't see the details, but she, she maybe, you know, puts up a sword or, or something or points at him or something, maybe starts barking orders at the captain. That's interesting. She's barking orders at the captain here. I have a feeling the order might be a much bigger force in this area than we think. That's not necessarily good for Edward either. Nonetheless, here we are. He sees Vale, the assassin from the Order of the Purifying Flame over here on the deck of that ship, and he knows that this is a problem. He turns to Captain Nicola and says, Captain. I don't think they're after your map. I think they're after me. How do you know that? Because there's an old enemy of mine on board that ship. I can see her even from here. Now, is it in Nicola's character to basically just want to turn Edbert over <laughs> and save his own ship? I don't think he's going to do that. Edbert has just proven his worth as, well, the most valuable combatant he's got. So I don't think he's going to be that quick to just turn Edbert over. But let's find out. I think there's no way he's going to do it. 16, oh, 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 there was a 15% chance of him doing it. So the answer is no, he does not. But hoo -hoo, I think Captain Nicola considers his options for a second, but then says, no, no. If you've got enemies on board that ship, that just gives us one more thing we've got in common. Let's get to hell out of here before they blow us from the water. We are now going to go into a ship combat. Ooh, now. There are no rules for ship combat in Dominion rules, but I have come up with them myself. <laughs> I know you can't see what's on this page right now. I'm gonna try and find a way to link this somewhere so you guys, if you're interested, you can have a look at it. Here we have a counter. And on that counter, d ignore the fact that it says wounds. This is the distance counter. We set this at five. The drunken ghoul is trying to escape. What the Grey Mariner here clearly wants to do is to board the drunken ghoul so that Vale can capture Edbert. Each ship declares its strategy before making simultaneous opposed maneuvering rolls. Basically, each ship has a choice. They can move to flee, close to board, or vie for firing position. The drunken ghoul has got to get out of here. In order for them to do that, there's going to be a series of competing rolls. Every time the drunken ghoul makes a successful maneuver to escape, they're going to increase the distance. But every time that the pursuing ship makes a maneuvering roll, it's gonna decrease the distance. Well, we already know that the drunken ghoul is going to be moving to flee, but what is the Grey Mariner doing? Well, I already said that they were preparing to load and fire the cannon, so that is what they're doing. So I gotta do up a, a couple of quick stats here for the ships, because I don't know what they are yet, so let's, let's do them. Each ship has three skills, maneuvering, boarding, and cannons. They also have two stats, withstand injury, and crew. So they're fairly close, but the ghoul is faster, whereas the Mariner is heavier or more heavily armed. If the drunken ghoul succeeds, it moves its success level. So if he rolls a five, then he increases that by five. To vie for firing position though, they're gonna make a maneuvering roll. If they get a successful maneuvering roll, then they have put themselves into a great position to fire and they can fire. So let's see what happens on the maneuvering rolls. Considering what's happening, okay, well, this is good. It's not great. Vying for firing position on the Mariner does not work at all. I think that 
there's confusion in the ranks on on the ship because maybe some of the sailors are questioning the orders coming from Vale instead of from the captain who knows but whatever the case is they are unable to get to a decent position to fire which allows the, the ghoul a chance to flee but only one so they don't really go that far so that increases to six Oh, I should mention as well that there is the option that neither captain would have taken in this last uh, round here, but be, you can you can choose to push. Before making a maneuver roll, the captain may decide to push either the crew or the ship itself. Basically, you have the option to push your ship or your crew to give you a bonus on the maneuvering roll, but the bonus you choose acts as a penalty to that which you use to push. So if I push the crew, come on, put your backs into it kind of thing, and I decide to take a plus two to my maneuvering roll that round, that means that the crew now takes two damage, basically. So they're exhausted from that effort. But it could mean the difference. Now, here's the thing. The drunken ghoul is pulling away. The mariner is going to vie for firing position. And again, the ghoul is going to try and move to flee. Here we go. Looking at their maneuvers. Okay, well, an 11 is a fail and a 3 is a success. Which means that the ghoul pulls out to 9 distance. So, things are not looking good on the Grey Mariner. They see that their quarry is fleeing. They're still within range, but the Drunken Ghoul is quickly pulling out of cannon range. I think the Mariner has to try and fire again before they lose their opportunity. So, here we go. Moving to flee. Vine for firing position. Okay, well, how the tides have suddenly turned quite literally because of tides and water and things like this. The drunken ghoul has failed to make any distance, but the mariner has put itself into a position to fire on the fleeing ship. If during maneuvering you roll five or more than your opponent's roll, and if he fails, his roll counts as zero, you have and you have declared vie for firing position, you have crossed the T. Your cannon roll is at plus two. That's really bad. So basically, as the, the ghoul is trying to flee, the mariner is able to put itself in the optimum firing position, even though they're, they're at almost the extreme range of their cannons, which is going to give them a plus two. Here we go. Does he hit? Oh, no. Not only does he hit, but the cannons, all banks of them, open up there's a tremendous blast of cannon fire as the cannonballs go hurling over the waves and raking the drunken ghoul exploding on the decking men go flying screaming everywhere what is the damage well potentially eight but the ghoul gets to roll its withstand injury against this cannon fire, which is only a five. It's five or less. Okay, they did it. They did the best they could, which means eight damage minus five withstand injury is three damage. Puts the ship down to two structural points. Captain Nicola is screaming at his crew to get up there and fill the main sails and, and tack into the wind and get out of here. I think Captain Nicola can see that there's a point, there's a break point around the uh, the islands over there. He knows that if he can if he can round those islands and then catch the, the southerly winds, he can propel his ship fast and basically escape before the ship can do any more damage to them. So, new round, moving to flee, closing to board. Drunken Ghoul is rolling on seven, and, and Mariner's on fives. Okay, well, this is terrible! <laughs> this is terrible because that's a failure, and the Mariner succeeds the best it possibly could, which means it closes five units of distance, which it was at nine, and now it's at four. Oh, no. Well, the wind fills the Mariner's foresails, and they 
slice through the waves. Chasing, giving chase, and closing the distance somehow. The wind shifted in just such a way to give the mariner a chance to take advantage of it in a way that the ghoul could not, probably because the ghoul is too busy dealing with the current damage on, on, on board the ship, crewmen with spars of wood sticking out of them having been impaled, they're screaming, the deck is slippery with their blood, it's bad, bad, bad news. Edbert stands near the aft looking at the pursuing ship. Captain, you've got to get us out of here. They're closing. I think the captain sees his predicament. They are closing. I think the captain, Eronicola, is going to try and surprise his pursuer by vying for firing position. He's going to suddenly hard to port. And they, the ship careens through the waves and they're looking at trying to gain a firing position. So the Grey Mariner's goal is to board the ship. But are they going to try and give one more volley to wound them before they board? I think they will. Both ships are going to be trying to vie for firing position from a relatively close range. White is on seven. Black is on fives. Both ships fail. They kind of uh, do a little do-si-do around each other, so to speak. But neither ship can get in an optimum position to fire at the other one. I think maybe a few cannon balls are exchanged. You know, some cannon fires exchanged, but nothing really done. It just kind of sails uselessly over the decks and things like this. I have a little rule that if the status quo is maintained for three rounds, there's a random event that happens. So that's the first. I think they're going to try the same thing. One more dance of nautical death as each ship tries to vie for a firing position. They both failed. <laughs> so it's another sort of useless round. That's round two of inaction. There could be a random event that interrupts us very quickly in the next round. Oh, both captains are seeing that they're not able to get a decent shot. Does Captain Nicola decide to break and make a run for it? I think he does. I think he's he's tried to get a position on the ship, but he can't do it. He can't match the sailing skills of the enemy captain. So he's going to try and turn. Whereas I think the, once again, the Mariner's going to try and vie for firing position. So move to flee. Vie for firing position. Move to flee is a fail. Firing it's also a fail. So that means both sides fail for three rounds in a row, which means a random event occurs. What is a random event? Event focus 32. Introduce a new NPC. Hmm. Interesting. Introduce a new NPC. 99. Oppress. 52. Dispute. Oppress dispute. Someone who doesn't want this battle to continue. Is there a traitor on board? Oh, wait a minute. We know that the crew on the Drunken Ghoul are not happy. Oh, you know why? Yeah, I think that there are traitors on board the Drunken Ghoul. A press dispute, they want this fight to end. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. There is mem there's spies, basically, from the League of Free Lords that have infiltrated the Drunken Ghoul. And that's what the mutiny business was all about. It failed this time, but I think that whoever this NPC is, this this agent of the League, um, is going to try and uh, oh, sabotage. Oh, he's going to try and sabotage the ship. Going to sabotage the rudder, the sail, something like that. Does Edbert notice anything out of the ordinary? I don't think he does. I don't think he's so focused on this battle. He's so focused on the fact that Vale is on the ship. But is it possible that he notices something out of the corner of his eye that maybe he sees the saboteur doing something that um, that he shouldn't be doing? I'm going to say probably not as alertness. It's five, but I'm going to give him a minus two. So he's got to get three or less. Does he do it? Oh, no. No, he's too too, he's too focused on this, but does the rest of the crew? I have to give them a chance. I don't think it's a bunch of them. I think it's like one key saboteur. Yeah, so the previous mutiner 
mutineer, Somerville. Somerville the mutineer was also an agent of the League. There is another agent, at least one other agent on board as well. And this is turning out to be quite the piratical skullduggery going on here. Spies on each other's crews and things like this. So Edward does not notice anything, but does anybody on the crew. I doubt, I think it's even less likely that they do. They're kind of busy trying not to be blown to pieces right now. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say no way, which gives me a 15% chance of yes. No, no one sees it, which means the saboteur has free reign under the, the decks of the ships or whatever he's doing just to maybe sabotage the, the rudder. Yeah, I think that's probably what he's doing. He's, he's maybe taking some, some, uh, cannonballs or explosives or something, and he's put them secretly in the rudder area so that the next time the mariner fires, he can detonate them and that will damage the ship from the inside that is really no good but that's what happens no one sees it it's basically going to be successful unless something other crazy thing happens meanwhile back to the naval battle well they're still at very close range the mariner is still going to try and vie for a firing position and they're still moving to flee here we go white is rolling at sevens blacks on fives both Again, status quo, nothing done, nothing done. I think the captain's gonna change tack. I think that he, over here, the captain of the Mariner realizes that he's not getting much of a chance to fire, so he's gonna try and close to boarding because that were his, that was his orders from Vale. Anyway, so he is trying to close to boarding, so they are both doing maneuvering rolls. Moving to flee, close to board, does anybody succeed? Oh, yes, we do. Look at this, this is interesting. Both succeed, which means that it's a total favorability roll here of two in favor of the of the mariner. They close the gap and the gap goes down to two. Oh, they're right on top of them. Once the cannons are all reloaded, Captain Nicola gives the order oh, to starboard. We'll wreck them as they come closer. And they go to vie for firing position while the mariner is going to try and head directly towards to close so vie for firing position close to board oh look at this total failure on the part of the gray mariner but a successful vying for firing position it's not uh, more than five, so he doesn't get the bonus, but for the first time in this battle, the drunken ghoul's cannons open up, raking the bow of the ship. Hopefully, if they actually hit, their cannon score is six. Okay, here we go. Do they hit? Oh, no! The cannons go wildly short of the ship, or maybe even they just veer off a little bit. The The angle was just wrong. They didn't quite get the broadside that they needed. Captain Nicola, I think he sees what's happening here. He tries one last valiant attempt to try and flee while well, they're obviously closing to boarding. Here we go. Six and ten. Ooh, look at this. He just opened it up. He just opened it up by six. He pulls ahead back out to eight. Mariner is going to vie for firing position. They are going to move to flee. The Mariner is going to push its roll. Basically, by stressing the stays, overhauling the lines, the whole bit, they're going to take damage to their hit points. On this maneuvering roll, they're going to get a plus two. So they are rolling on seven. So it's equal. Sevens both. Here we go. Does anybody get... Okay. Well, they do manage to vie for firing position as the ghoul is trying to flee. Oh, the, the Mariner turns its broadsides, and once again, there's the eruption of cannon fire across the sea. Do they hit them? They do for seven. That's the best they possibly could have done. As the ghoul is pulling away, cannonballs come soaring through the air. 
tearing into the deck of the ship, wood spars exploding everywhere. It's just total chaos on board, but they do get a withstand injury roll of five against it, one, so they will only take six damage to the hull, which puts them at minus four. There are, I think, some of those cannonballs hit underneath the waterline and caused several sort of rippling explosions underneath. And you know why so much damage? Because the saboteur was finally able to set up the explosives to the hull underneath. There's a massive explosion. Water starts pouring in bad, bad news, and they're not out of the woods, which means everything that the ghoul does now is going to be at minus four, because they're, oh, their rudder is blown to bits on the ship. It's bad news everywhere. The captain has to try and flee. He has to flee. He pushes his crew. He pushes his crew to exhaustion. He's going to take a plus three on this roll. His crew is going to go down to three, but he's going to get plus three on this maneuvering roll. Move to flee. They see their opportunity and they're going to close to board. Here we go. So basically the ghoul is rolling on 10 minus four is six, whereas the mariner is rolling on fives. Oh no, total failure. The damage to that ship is so bad that the men can't, cannot get the ship righted. It's even listing a bit as the water comes flooding in. They get down to three distance. This is not looking good at all. Everything they do is a minus four. I think the captain sees the situation and realizes he re he sees the, the Grey Mariner plowing through the waves towards them, trying to get to a position to board. He knows he can't outrun them now. The ship is taking on water. He knows that they're gonna come and collide with that ship. He knows there's gonna be a boarding action, but he has one last chance. He's going to buy for firing position to try and broadside the closing ship before they get there. So close to boarding, buy for firing position. He's unfortunately, the, the penalty from maneuvering is terrible. White's on three. Oh, look at this, double ones. They both succeed, which means that the distance is closed to two and they get a chance to fire. It's not a great chance, but it is a chance. Their cannon is at six minus four is two. They're probably gonna lose. The ship is listing, it's listing to, to port. It's, try, it's, it's having a hard time lining up the cannons. Do they do? They completely miss. Oh, once again, they completely miss as the Mariner gets closer and closer. And I think at this point, the captain knows that they can't outrun them and he calls out to his, he calls out to his crew, prepare to repel borders! And blades are drawn as the chase is effectively over as the Grey Mariner comes crashing beside, locking both ships into a boarding action. The ships have collided together. The crews begin to leap over the boards and throw grappling hooks and all that kind of stuff as uh, this crew here prepares to repel the boarders. Now, in the smoke and the confusion and the, the crying and the shouts, the total chaos of this battle, there's going to be a battle roll between the, the two ships to determine what the overall result is for this particular series of rounds. But what I'm most concerned about right now is what happens with Edbert right here. What is his situation? Well. He looks out and he knows that Vale, the assassin, who is over here, who is unfortunately as of yet unpainted, she is over here on the forecastle, the, the, the forecastle, I should say, the, the foxhole, on the foxhole, with the captain here, and I think they lock eyes across the, the mad chaos of the battle and they begin to make their way across to each other. So before I make the boarding roll here, 
we have to determine what happens with Edward because the outcome of Edward's little battle here could actually influence the role of the crew. Basically, if he does something, he might get some sort of bonus to the boarding skill of the ship. So Edward, let's deal with Edward. He is pushing his way. And again, this wave of pirates comes, comes clambering over the gunnels. They are just everywhere now, locked in combat. And through this melee, through this storm of combat, Vale as well swings over on the rigging and launches herself into the fray and she is headed directly for Edbert. Edbert is pushing his way through the men, friend and foe alike. You know, uh, an enemy guy comes up at him, he basically knocks him aside. He's not even interested in him. He's going straight for Vale, the assassin, because he sees her there and same with her. She is moving like a like a shadow amongst the combat they are able through the clash of the combat to engage each other which means i need stats for veil because i don't know anything about her i know that she's an assassin so she's going to be very fast and she's going to be very agile and she's going to be very deadly with her weapons veil her timing let's give her a rapier why not She's gonna be quick, plus three. And I don't think she's as good with the rapier as she is with like a crossbow. Just I, I say that because the miniature has a has a crossbow here, so we're gonna assume that she's sort of a distance assassin, but she's still very good with that strike. So with the rapier, she is going to be nine. Her parry with the rapier, she's gonna be eight. Her withstand injury, we're gonna call it six with two points of armor. And of course her injury is also at six to start. So she's got a six hit point lead on Edward right now because he is down to zero from his last duel. Did he get a chance to grab his shield? I did say that they gave him weapons. I don't think there was time. I'm gonna assault, I'll call it unlikely. Did he get a chance to get, oh yes he did. And it's not an extreme yes, but he did get a shield. That's great for Edward. Okay, timing. So seven minus six, his timing is gonna be a plus one. Edbert is gonna be, oh, okay, that's not a good outcome already. Two versus eight, so she goes first, which means he has to declare first. Well, Vale's an assassin, he's gonna have to be defensive. He's going to, he's going to come in, charging through the fray with his shield up. He's definitely gonna do a block, and he's going to do two strikes against her. He's gonna try and put her down, which is gonna give all of his actions, including his, including his block action, a minus two multi-action penalty. She sees this. She does not have a shield. She has a rapier and probably a dagger. That's kind of cool too. She's going to she's going to parry and strike. In the modifier phase, she acts first, so she's going to do her parry first. It's at minus one, so her parry is eight, so it's actually at seven. She does get a parry of six, so he's going to have a, a six-point parry penalty, and that's going to be really hard for him to hit, but still very possible. Uh, Edbert, his block... He's rolling at minus two. His block is actually nine with a shield, so it's seven. He fails the block. That's not a good thing. So she acts first. She strikes once with her rapier with no parry penalty, but a multi-action penalty. She is striking on eight. She just misses. She just misses. Thank goodness. Edbert strikes twice. Each roll is going to be minus two eight because minus two multi-action penalty and minus six for the parry is minus eight he is striking with his longsword which is specialized in though however which means he's going to be rolling on threes Ooh, very very tough to hit her but he does too does she did withstand injury on that she does so nothing done unfortunately it does not penetrate her armor the second hit will come in for a seven which is a miss we go back to timing now she's at plus three he is at plus one here we go well, oh, that's good. This time he does go first. So she declares first. Oh, you know what she's going to do? She, being an assassin, is going to faint. She declares both a strike and a faint and a parry. So she's going to do three actions. So she's going to minus two multi-action penalty. Edbert 
sees this coming in with the feint. So he is going to, he's gonna definitely block. I think he's just gonna strike once because he's seen what an effective parrier she is. He's gonna strike once, so he's gonna be at a minus one multi-action penalty. So the modifier phase, we have parries. Uh, so Edbert goes first. His block skill is nine minus one, which is eight. Does he do it? He does not block again. Does she parry? She's at minus two, so her parry is actually at six. Uh, she does a parry one, so he's gonna have a fur further penalty. Her faint roll. She has declared it, so uh, her rolls are gonna be at minus two. Her faint is normally six, so she's gonna be rolling at four. Does she roll a faint at four? She does not, and only because it was a multi-action penalty. The faint counts for nothing. Edbert goes first with his, he, he went to block, he didn't do it, but he does get a strike. He's coming in at minus two, he's still really good at this. 11 minus two is nine. Does he hit? He does. Six, her withstand injury is six. She rolls an eight, which means she takes six points of damage. Pow! That knocks her down to zero! Just like that, Edbert comes in with a brutal chop and chops into her, but she is still able to faint and strike as this is happening because she's not on any kind of penalty yet. Her strike comes in at nine minus two for multi-action and no parry on Edbert's point, so that's gonna be seven. Oh boy, that's exactly what she needed. Nine minus two is seven, potentially seven points of damage. Withstand injury for Edbert is six. He does have a shield, which would normally give him a plus one to his block, but only if he succeeded in the block, which he did not. So his withstand injury is six. He's not really wearing any armor yet. He hadn't had a chance to get armor because he really wears chainmail, and there's not going to be a lot of chainmail on board the pirate ship. Does he do six or less? Oh no! Oh no! You know what this means? It means that Edbert takes seven damage. He gets put down at the end of that round to minus seven. Oh, that rapier finds its mark and buries itself in... Uh, oh, Edbert's right foot. So Edbert comes and chops into her. She screams with pain, goes to stab at him. The rapier jabs into his foot and like impales it to the deck. There, a, a spurt of blood comes up from Edbert's boot. He cries out in pain. Seven point penalty. Is he defeated? No, because his strike, not counting the Logsword bonus, is nine. Theoretically, he could still fight on here. We're going to end this port, uh, a part of the battle right now, though. Looking very bad for Edbert as he's you know, crying out in pain, trying to clutch his foot, but he can't because he's still locked in combat with the, the maelstrom of combat all around him from the rest of the crew, and that is what we need to determine right now. The crew-on-crew crew battle. Here we go. Each group rolls their boarding skills not including any penalties and successful rolls equal damage to the opposing crew's hit points basically so here we go the drunken ghoul is rolling on sixes and the black die for the marines or the, the mariner rather is rolling on eight okay well both sides are successful the mariner's crew goes down to six and the drunken ghoul's crew which was at three because the captain pushed them so half the crew is exhausted from that is now minus one when the ship's crew is reduced to zero they are defeated the mariner's crew overwhelms the drunken ghoul's crew half of them totally exhausted from trying to push themselves to escape and then fire and all this kind of stuff as to the results of what's happened to the captain nicola or what's going on 
it's lost in the chaos of the battle. All we know is that one by one, the members of the crew of the Drunken Ghoul are defeated and throw down their weapons and beg for their lives. Meanwhile, Edbert, down here with the assassin Veil standing over him, she withdraws the blade and puts it up to his throat. And she says to him, she looks at him with ferocity in her eyes, the, the burning light of the fanatic, which we know that she is. She says to him, Edbert, the soldier, murderer of Sherilyn's spirit bane, you are coming with me. And that is where we have to end this scene and the episode. Oh, things are looking terrible for Edbert. The crew is overwhelmed. Edbert is wounded and now been taken, apparently captive, by the fanatical Veil, the assassin of the Order of the Purifying Flame. What will happen to the crew? What will happen to Edbert? What does Veil want? Where is this treasure map and where does it lead? And does that even matter anymore? We don't know, but, uh, but we will find out next time if you come back and join me on the next episode of Me, Myself, and I. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you like what you see here today, please do hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help support the show on Patreon, the link for that is in the description below. Thanks for joining me and we will see you next time on Me, Myself, and Die. <laughs>